0: You are listening to CCF Run-Through, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening! Our theme today is true blessing is not about us. Let me repeat, true blessing is not about us. What is true blessing? Psalm 67 has seven verses. And those seven verses focuses on true blessing. It begins with blessing, it ends with blessing. I like to highlight three important realities when it comes to God's blessing. Number one, God delights in blessing us. God wants to bless us. Number two, God is blessing us because God bless us to bless others. And lastly, God's blessing will lead to worship. Ultimately, it's all about God. God is our true blessing. In Psalm 67, verse 1, I'd like you to notice. It is so exciting that our God is the one who wants to bless us. God be gracious to us and bless us. So all blessing begins with, The grace of God. And what is the grace of God? Undeserved. It's from God. Not because we are qualified. So God's blessing is from Him. What a comfort to know that it is God's grace, not my qualification, that will allow me to have this blessing. And it is perfectly okay to pray for God's blessing. Next, bless us. Now, the word bless us, what does it mean? Let me repeat Many times, people think it is just material blessing. It's more than that. This verse explains what is true blessing. Cause his face to shine upon us. This is taken from the book of Numbers, where God told Moses, Moses, when you bless the people, you bless them by saying the following. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you, meaning the Lord will protect you. But what is the most important phrase, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. What does it mean, make his face shine on you? Look at verse 26 of Numbers. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. What does that mean? You see, a real blessing is having the favor of God, the presence of God, And the approval of God, you want God's favor. And that's why I'm reminded when my children were small, they kept saying, Daddy, look at me, look at me. Why do children want their parents to look at them? You know why? Because of undivided attention. Because they want our blessing. They want our approval. And above all, they want our smile. You know that smile of God to me? is the greatest blessing. I'm reminded of the story of this concert pianist, how she was always nervous when she plays the piano in front of thousands of people. And when she finished, they'll give her a standing ovation and she's still nervous. She will only relax if that one person will stand up and that person will clap. Do you know who is that person? Her piano teacher. Because her effort is to make sure that her teacher will be happy with her performance. In the same way, it is like our relationship with God. The most important person that you want to please is the Lord. Why is that important? It does not matter. If the whole world will applaud you, if the whole world is happy, But God is not happy. And it doesn't matter if the world is not happy with you, but God is happy. Because the most important person at the end of your life is the Lord himself. Question, are you living a life that's pleasing to him? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 9, Paul says, Therefore, we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For Paul, the most important thing, the most important blessing is the smile of God to be pleasing to him. Because someday we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed. Each one. Paul was very conscious of the reality that at the end of your life, the greatest blessing is the smile of God, the affirmation of God that you have lived well for him. All of us have loved ones who have passed away. I have dear friends, I have close friends, I have close relatives who have passed away. No matter who they are, no matter how rich they are, no matter how poor they are, those are all secondary. At the end of your life, these are realities. You cannot bring your money with you, you cannot take anything with you including your paintings, including your hobbies, including your prestige. There's nothing you can take with you. But the most important is your relationship with your Savior. The question is, did you live a life that's pleasing to our Lord? The second thing I'd like you to know about true blessing is we are blessed to bless others. You see, blessing is not to be kept it's to be shared. Well, this is what it says: that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Do you know this connection? Verse one talks about, "God be gracious to us, bless us." And then verse two so that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation. Among all nations. The purpose of blessing is to bless the nations. What kind of blessing? The knowledge of God, that your way may be known. When we know God, when we know His ways, what is the result? Salvation. You see, at the end of your life, the most important thing is salvation. Do you have eternal life? And that, my friend, is how we bless people. Bless. Bless others. Question Is your life lived in such a way that it will attract people to Jesus? You see, this does not happen by accident. The blessing being passed around has to be intentional that your way may be known on the earth. How will they know? Through your life, your words, and your deeds. Your salvation among all peoples. How will they know? Through your life, through your deeds. How can we bless others? Notice Psalm 67 tells us, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. The psalmist is saying God is coming again. He is coming as judge. And how will he judge With uprightness. He will come as the ruler. That word guide has the idea of he will govern the nation. Guide the nations on the earth. Think about it. In other words, we are blessed to bless others. How do we bless others? We need to tell them. We need to tell them the truth. That God is coming again. And I'm reminded of the example of Ezekiel. You see, in Ezekiel chapter 33, God gave this amazing example. What should be our responsibility? In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, God appointed Ezekiel a watchman. As for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel, so you will hear a message from my mouth. And give them warning from me. What is the job description of a watchman? A watchman is somebody who will warn the entire city that there's enemy coming. You see, in the time of Ezekiel, people live in walled cities. That's how they have protection. And in the walled cities, gates are open, but there is always a watchman guarding. The moment they see danger, they will blow the trumpet. They will ask the people to get inside the gate so that there will be protection. And God is saying, Ezekiel, you are a watchman. You are to warn them. And what is the message? And this is the message. God says, when I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die. You do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require from your hand. The metaphor of watchman is to bring up the importance of responsibility. You see, Ezekiel was a prophet. God said, On top of being a prophet, you are a watchman. A watchman is responsible to warn the people. And God is saying, Ezekiel, if you don't warn them, the blood of the people I will require from your hand. In verse 9, if you on your part, if you warn a wicked man to turn from his way and he does not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your life. The, the desire of God is for people to repent. But God is saying if they don't repent, that is their responsibility. But your responsibility is to tell them, I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul, and the last part of his life, this is what he said in Acts 20. Therefore, I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Paul is saying, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Paul understood. He's a watchman. The reality is this. We are all watchmen. So God is saying, you do your job. My job is not to force people to repent. My job is not to force people to listen. My job is to be faithful. And notice what is emphasized. The next verse. When I say to the wicked, you will surely die. And he turns from his sin and practices justice Righteousness, in short, he repents. How is repentance sin? He turns from his sin, and he begins to change his life. Notice the promise of God. None of his sins that he has committed will be remembered against him. Here is the amazing promise of God. God says he will be completely forgiven. This reminds me of the New Testament passage found in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, where God says, because of Jesus, I will no longer remember their sins. Their past sins, I will remember no more. Do you realize that kind of blessing? The peace that you have? If I look at my life, I know I've done a lot of foolish things in the past. I've committed many sins. But God is saying, if you repent, your past sins I will remember no more. Repentance is the key to blessing. And then God reminds the righteous. Have you ever wondered why this was placed in the Bible? The Bible says, Warn the righteous man. The righteousness of a righteous man will not deliver him in the day of his transgression. Whereas a righteous man will not be able to live by his righteousness on the day when he commits sin. When I say to the righteous, he will surely live. And he saw trust in his righteousness that he commits iniquity. None of his righteous deeds will be remembered in that same iniquity of which he has committed, he will die. You know what God is saying? You cannot be presumptuous of your forgiveness. You cannot live a life that takes Forgiveness as a license to sin. Jude 4 warns us, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. I want you to notice the following statements. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness. The grace of God is not a license to commit sin. Many Christians are not taught properly. I'm reminded of the story of my friend. How when his son went back from college to visit him during Christmas. And that young man told his father, I'm enjoying the drinking. The girls. And the father said, what do you mean? And then the father realized, It's about immorality. It's about getting drunk. And then the father asked him, Are you a Christian? And this young man got angry. This young man said, How dare you ask me if I'm a Christian? Do you not know? When I was 13 years old, I raised my hand. I went forward. I got baptized. And the father said, Wrong answer. And that young man got so angry, he left the house angry. But praise God, the father was direct. The father was honest with the son. That question bothered him. Are you a Christian? One year later, he came back. And he said, Dad, I am now a Christian. Why? He realized a true Christian cannot live in sin. He repented of his getting drunk, of his womanizing. Does it mean perfection? Of course not. Look at the heart of God. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, this is God's heart. Say to them, this is God's message. As I live, declares the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Notice the heart of God. I don't take pleasure in the death of the wicked but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die? This is the heart of God. He wants to bless us. And the key to true blessing is repentance. The key to forgiveness is repentance. From Genesis to Revelation, you have the truth of Repentance. We need to repent. When Jesus began his ministry, what did he say? Look at his message. Jesus came into Galilee in Mark chapter 1, preaching the gospel, the good news, saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Notice, repent and believe. You see, the gospel is about repentance and faith. In Jesus. The same thing at the end of his ministry. What did he say? Jesus tells us it is written that Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. The death and resurrection of Christ. And notice verse 47. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. In other words, forgiveness and repentance, they go together. Forgiveness and faith, they go together. Repentance and faith, they go together. You cannot separate the two. To understand repentance, let me explain to you three important words. The first is regret. It impacts the mind. Why did I do that? Why did I do that stupid things? Example, a man is caught in immorality. The wife caught him. He is regretting. Remorse, the mind impacting the heart. I feel sorrowful. I feel ashamed. I feel the pain. That is not a repentance. What is repentance? The mind is affected, the heart is affected, and the will is affected. That's from the word metanoia. It's a change. Of direction. So repentance has to do with change. Example of regret, remorse, and repentance. Do you recall among the 12 disciples of Jesus? What happened to Judas? Judas betrayed Jesus. He felt remorseful. He regretted. What did he do? He committed suicide. You know this, Peter. Peter denied Jesus. He regretted. He was sad, but he repented. His repentance was shown when he turned to the Lord and began to serve him and love him. Real blessing comes when we repent. I love this quotation by Thomas Carlyle. Of all Acts, Of man, repentance is the most divine. The greatest of all faults is to be conscious of none. Psalm 67 tells us what true blessing is all about. It's not about us. True blessing is from God. God wants to bless us, God blesses us to bless others, and lastly, God's blessing leads to worship. God's blessing is so radical, it will transform us. From somebody who is running away from God to becoming the worshiper of God. Remember, worship is a response, the proper response to who God is, what He has done. And the moment you and I experience through blessing how God has forgiven us, how we are given eternal life, how Jesus died on the cross, so that our sins can be completely forgiven, what will that do to your life? It will totally transform your love and your heart. You will really begin to worship Jesus, to worship God, because you have experienced the unconditional love and forgiveness of God. Look at Psalm 67. God blesses us, That all the ends of the earth may fear Him. I want you to notice something. God blesses us, certainty that all, notice the grammar, all the ends of the earth, the whole world, all the ends of the earth may fear Him, may reverence Him, may worship Him. That is an amazing prayer. If you love the Lord, That will be your desire, for people to know him. You see, discipleship, evangelism, is leading somebody to know the Lord and for that person to fall in love with the Lord and for that person to worship him. The blessing is not for us to keep. It is a blessing for us to share. What kind of blessing? The blessing of knowing the Lord so that we all become worshipers of who God is. And that, my friend, is true discipleship. Once upon a time, I was running away from God. Once upon a time, I was rebellious. Then something happened. The Lord touched my heart. By His grace, He transformed my heart. Today, I don't run away from God. I run towards God. My desire is to worship God. And not just me. My desire is for everybody to worship God. I like A.W. Tozer when he said, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Can I tell you why they are bored, why they are turned off by worship? If you don't have a relationship with our Savior, if you have not experienced the goodness of God, why will you be excited about worship? For you, God is a theory. For you, God is a stranger. And the way to test whether you are a recipient of God's blessing or not, ask yourself, do you get excited to worship God? Every Sunday, every opportunity, do you get excited? If you are not excited... I want you to take time to consider and ask yourself the question. Have you considered God's blessing? Have you look at your life, how he has forgiven you? There may be some of us here, perhaps in the past you have been walking with the Lord, but somehow you have turned away. Well, it's never too late to repent. Remember the warnings. Warn the righteous. That they must not live in sin. And then my challenge to all of us. You and I are watchmen. The question is, are you faithful or are you not? I pray that you and I will be faithful. Faithful in living our lives in such a way that we can be effective in telling our loved ones the message of the Lord. If you are not sure, Of eternal life. You are not sure that your sins have been forgiven because you have never really repented. Why don't you pray this prayer with me? Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, I realize I'm not even sure that my sins have been forgiven. I don't ever recall coming before you in repentance. So today, Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I come before you. I repent of my sins. I come before you accepting your gift of forgiveness. I accept your gift of eternal life. And I want to thank you that you love me. You died on the cross to pay for all of my sins. I now ask you, Lord Jesus, to give me a new heart a new desire, help me to have the power not just to repent, but to follow on walking with you. I pray that you will remind all of us to be faithful, to be strengthened by your grace so that we will not only be faithful in giving your message, we will be faithful in our walk so that our talk and our walk will match, that we will be faithful, watch men, watch women. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Let's pray that God will bring us to someone to share the good news of forgiveness, the good news that repentance brings blessing. Remember, it's not about you. God's blessing is to bless others and above all, to worship Him.